Welcome on in to Empower Talks. This is the podcast where we talk about careers with people across the insurance industry. I'm excited today to welcome on in Tenny Tajani, who is the founder of LTL and also associate underwriter at Travellers. And Tenny, uh, I know that we've known each other for a little while now, and quite often when we're talking, it's always around the same topic, mm-hmm. around networks and helping people build their exposure. So it seemed really natural for me to invite you in for this particular podcast. So welcome on in. Thank you for having me. Excellent. And just to, um, I introduced you there as the founder of LTL, and I'm conscious maybe some of the listeners won't necessarily know what LTL is all about. So I thought maybe we'd start off with an introduction to LTL and then we'll talk about how this links in with um, career networking. Sure. So thank you for having me, like I said. So for those who don't know, LTL stands for Ladies That Lunch. And I'll kind of tell you how we came about that title. So I guess for me, being a black female in the Lloyd's market was very daunting at first. And I didn't really see many people who looked like me. So whenever I did, I kind of just said, be my friend. And I kind of just ran off to some people and basically forced them to be my friends. <laughs> but um, I, we, I remember being at an event and I saw a group of black females and I walked up to them and I just said, you know, I introduced myself and we became the first six members of LTL because our our calendar invite at the time was jokingly called Ladies at Lunch and it just kind of stuck. And since then we've grown into a network of women across the industry and beyond. Um, so we have insurance represented, we have law, we have automotive, all sorts of industries represented. But the premise of the group is basically to support, uplift and signpost each other to help and, you know, kind of give each other the network and the access that we don't typically get um, given that we're quite underrepresented in the industry. So that was what the group was intended to do. Um, since our inception in June 2019, we've grown from strength to strength. We've had a number of promotions, um, award winners, all sorts. So yes, yeah, it's, it's been really good so far. Cool. And so when you enjoy, uh, first joined the Lloyd's Market, I imagine you were kind of thrown into networking. It's quite a big part uh, or of the career and certainly people's kind of early years. Um, so how did you find that experience, first of all, just corporate networking? Thankfully, it wasn't my first exposure to networking. Um, and I was quite grateful for the experiences I'd had beforehand during school, during um, my uni time. Um, but even still, when you know you're not the most learned, learned in the room, it can be quite daunting. Um, I'd say I had to definitely be pull out all the stops in terms of being brave and being confident um, and just knowing that people are human I think sometimes we dehumanize people who are more senior than us um, but everybody's human you can hold a conversation based on pretty much anything so I think I had to try and find common ground in the early days whether it be family whether it be where I'd studied because I didn't have that much knowledge of the of my subject matter at the time so yeah it can be quite daunting when you're first going in for sure yeah and so something that I often talk to people about is the the selection of networking groups available in the um, Lloyd's market in particular. And I think this has come about from a really good place in the sense that going back um, a couple of decades, everyone was face to face and had this relationship and rapport with people throughout the, their career. And there was kind of a realisation point that maybe as things get more and more online, who need we'd get this far online, but certainly even a few years ago, uh, the, the, some of those relationships are maybe harder to, to form and um, particularly the young professional networking groups became a bit more kind of structured to encourage that relationship piece 
Um, and what I think is really um, you know, inspiring about what you've done with LTL is, um, is you kind of taken on a, a bit of pushback sometimes I get when I share these lists with people. So sometimes I share the list and I'll hear something like, oh, I don't really fit into any of these categories or I don't really like the look of any of these groups. Um, so there's nothing for me. Mm. So what would you say to someone who came at you with that same challenge? Oh, that's a very good question. I think whilst I did think I fit into some of those lists, it just wasn't for me in terms of there wasn't necessarily an organisation when I started that was speaking to what I needed. And so I think people shouldn't be afraid to start their own. Um, people shouldn't be afraid to create your own because we don't even really call ourselves a network. We call ourselves a collective because we are just a collective of women. A lot, a number of women on that are part of LTL are part of other networks as well. Um, so there's nothing to stop you from finding people who you align with, finding people who can relate to some of the things that you're going through and form a group. There's nothing stopping you from doing that. It doesn't have to have a title. It doesn't have to be official, but what you have then is a support group and people to bounce ideas off and a soundboard or sometimes just people just to share, you know, how your day's going, who understand what you're talking about. So yeah. I would encourage people to just start your own. That's what I did and it's paid off. So, yeah. And I love how easy you make that sound. <laughs> I don't intend to, but <laughs> honestly, you know what? I would definitely say that people see it as a, a, a science, like there's you've got to tick these boxes and you've got to have this structure. But really, it wasn't that. Like I said, we unofficially just started going to lunch and it grew from there. And I had my thoughts and dreams for LTL prior to even starting the group. But um it was dictated by who joined the joined at the end of the day and you know understanding what people's pain points were and trying to solutionize those came from actually having members so I think one thing I've learned in the journey is that you know we have our expectations of what we think it should look like but actually you create your own destiny and you can you know create what the feel and the look and the vibe to your own group if you wanted to and it actually gives you the flexibility if something doesn't speak to to what you hope for you just do it yourself <laughs> And how about that kind of fear of rejection? Because, of course, you're going out to people and you're asking them to join you in something. Um, that in itself, I think, is quite challenging to do. Not necessarily a hard exercise, no emails or phone calls, but the, the challenge of getting over that inner voice of ours um, that can kind of step in the way. Did you have that inner voice holding you back? I guess it's a bit different for LTL because it was never intended. I wasn't ever looking for members. It was never really a numbers game for me. I guess if there was only five members, but we had each other's back, we supported each other, we shared best practice, I'd have been happy with that. Um, so most people who join LTL join because they need it. But there's definitely been people who um, maybe join and then leave, but that's fine. I think, you know, not everybody is for you. And I think you should you should be as careful about that relationship as, as they are. You know, if, if people aren't a good fit, that's okay. I'm, I never really see it as rejection. I just see it as, you know, maybe we didn't click and that's fine, you know you're not going to click with everybody, but the people who you do click, it won't be forced and you won't be left wondering, you know, should I reach out again or should I not? Because, you know, even for the people who take a bit longer to respond, you can tell when someone's intent is for you or you can tell when people, you know, just genuinely didn't have the time. Um, but don't be scared of rejection. I definitely, I'm not scared of rejection. I've heard a lot of no's in life, but I've also heard a lot of yeses as well. So you won't know until you try, I guess. And then when we look at these kind of, networking events um so we have 
approaches and receivers and, and networking. So, so your approach would be someone that goes up and starts a conversation with somebody, um, or in your case, maybe creates this event for people to even come to, kind of opens the door for others. And then we have receivers who are very happy they're there to network. But for them, it's kind of someone welcome them into a conversation. Um, and what we can sometimes sort of see is this becomes a bit of a challenge for me. So you enter the room and the receivers are patiently waiting at first for someone to come and approach them, then starting to feel maybe a bit uncomfortable to get their phone out or distract themselves by making a drink or whatever it might be to make it look like they have something else to be doing. Mm. And then the, um, the approaches then feel like they can't approach them because they're on the phone. So we have a little bit of a sort of clash of what's going on in the room. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I find through my conversations with the market, the vast majority of people are receivers. Mm. So con- considerably, you know, that sounds like like you listening to this, then you are certainly not alone. But there's not so many approaches. And that can be in itself a bit of an issue because you're in the room and there's lots of people standing on their own that don't want to be on their own, but feeling uncomfortable maybe starting that conversation. Mm-hmm. Now, at the beginning, you were talking about um, uh, teaching yourself to be brave and confident and finding common ground. So what advice would you give to people who are kind of finding those initial conversations challenging? Do you know what? I empathise with introverts. I'm quite extroverted as a, as a personality type, but I still find that interaction quite awkward. Um, things that I have definitely helped me al- along my journey is I don't go alone. Um, I try to go with a buddy who I know is trying to do the same things as me. And so I bring them along and we can approach whoever um, together. And that always helps the balance of conversation. And then when we feel comfortable enough or we've built enough of a rapport, then we, we, we leave each other to it. But I think one thing I would say is go with a buddy um secondly is not being so like oh my gosh I need to have something have a sentence or I need to know exactly what to say just let conversation flow in any other context you would just let conversation flow so do the same and quite quickly you'll be able to see if that person has you know insights to offer you or you want to continue the conversation on and if it comes to a natural end it comes to a natural end I think we we think too hard about it and then we end up having very like structured and not as um, fulfilling conversations, whereas more comes out of people when you just talk about the things that uh, are common ground, like I said before, like family, friendships, and that kind of thing, you actually get more out of people that way. So that would be my advice to people. I think we've got a great common ground conversation now, haven't we? We're going we're gonna to be dining off this for a couple of years. It's like, <laughs> how was lockdown for you? What do you prefer, working from home, being in the office? So, yeah. so sometimes that common, common ground can feel quite hard to find. Um, but it doesn't have to be creative. It doesn't have to be unique for it to be common ground. I was, my go-to tends to be travel. Yeah. You know, everyone likes going on holiday. Yeah. <laughs> Mine's family because, you know, I think that's something that a lot of people can relate to. So I tend to go for family. But yeah, like you've said, this is one time in our lives where everyone has gone through the same thing. And so naturally we're talking about, and that can be quite difficult because it's quite sensitive. You don't really know. Um, but what someone may have gone through but I think that is definitely a unifying factor for everybody whereas we haven't had something that everyone has gone through before so that should take the edge off for people making initial approaches I think Mm, yeah so one of my um sort of top tips when you're when you're entering a room made me think of when you said to turn turn up somebody else I always recommend getting there a little bit early or or on time Mm. is at that point everybody's starting conversation Whereas I think something I can remember I used to do quite a bit if I was nervous about attending an event, I'd kind of 
come 20 minutes in so I don't have to do the networking bit for too long until the presentation starts. But that's so much harder. It is. You turn up, everyone's already in their circles, starting the conversations, and you kind of got to jump in. Whereas if you come on time, you're probably going to be in the lift at the same time as other people. You're going to be signing your name, picking up the badges at the same time as other people. And you're literally walking in the room and you've found someone without even trying. I definitely agree with that. I found it more awkward when I've had to walk into a room that was full and everyone was in their huddles. But when I'm there early and, you know, you have people just looking for people literally loitering with their drink and then looking for who to speak to. It's much easier if there's five of you in the room than if there's 20 of you in the room. So I can definitely relate to that. Yeah. Excellent. And um, what do you think is going to be the future? So LTA is obviously online right now. Mm-hmm. And when we can go back face to face, is it going to be back to lunches or have you kind of just going to play this by ear? Do you know what? I think there is, there is value to meeting face to face. And so we will, when we can, when restrictions lift, we will have um, a, like go back to our lunches. But there's something to be said about the virtual catch-ups as well. Um, we literally haven't felt like we've stopped lunches because we now we meet actually more frequently. We meet every three weeks. And so um, there will be a contingent of people who are always going to be virtual and I wouldn't want to lose them just because we've gone back to the physical um, environment. So yeah, there'll be a bit of both, which is going to be a pull on my time. But uh, honestly, LTL, it just means the world to me. So it doesn't feel like work when I'm doing it. It just feels, it comes naturally. Um, But I do think that some of that peer-to-peer interaction is so important and having peer-to-peer conversations. I think when people think about networking, they always try to aim high or aim to someone who, they um, aim for a role that they may be aspiring to, which is great. And I encourage that also, but so much, there's so much value in peer-to-peer conversations because those are the people you can, you can compare your experience with. You can kind of see, okay, you've got that going on. Okay, I might bring that back to my company, et cetera. Those conversations are just as valuable as, you know, speaking to people who are more senior than you. And that's something that I try to encourage as, as part of LTL as well. Yeah, I love that. I think, I think hindsight as well with that. So some of the best relationships I know I've got, I imagine it's similar for you, are the ones that go back a really long time and they're people who have started their job the same time you started your job. And therefore you built this, you know, friendship really at that point. And now you're at kind of a stage in your career where you can actually help each other. You potentially have got kind of a little bit of influence over different things. You can invite each other to different events and and so on. You can ask each other for favours without it feeling awkward. Whereas if you're always networking up, that that kind of power dynamic I think can be a bit of a challenge so so for me you know it's it's kind of network with everybody and and just know that as your career goes on those different relationships are going to go in different directions Steve Jobs um he used to say you can only connect the dots when you look back Mm. I love that you know this kind of idea of thinking I should go to this event and talk to this person because it's going to lead to this or that it's just not reality and and I think quite stressful you know, yeah. a lot of the best opportunities come from places you'd never expect. That's it. And there's value in so many interactions. I have a number of mentees in the, in the industry and I get so much out of them as much as they get out of me. And so I think interacting or trying to network at all levels is so important. And if you think about it, the people who are more senior than you will leave the industry at some point and then you have no friends or you have no allies at your own level. So there's definitely a benefit to networking at your own level. And like you said, growing together. But even there's a lot to be learned about people who aren't, you know, jaded by the industry or have, have a fresh perspective. There's definitely a lot to be learned about the way uh, more newer entrants to the industry do things. So I, I try to network at all levels. LTL is a combination of people from like, we've got 
the head of council in, in LTL to apprentices in LTL. You know, we go right way through the board and everybody's equal. And it just encourages conversation, you know, across the board as opposed to, you know, just networking at specific levels. So that's been the benefit, I think, of LTL as well. So, of course, this is your... Um your kind of, you know, your group, you're highly invested in this one. Are there other networking groups across the industry or even outside of insurance that you still partake in to some degree as well? Yeah, I think that's very important to do. Like I'm not just now LTL and then I've abandoned everything else because a lot of my learning comes from other groups as well. So um, how we met actually was through um, London Insurance Life. Um, I was part of London Insurance Life from the very beginning when we it didn't even have a name. And that's something that's still very dear to me because they speak to not just specifically women, but it speaks to all different um, um, types of diversity. And so definitely still linked in with um, Lil, the Lil campaign. There's ISC, I'm a member of ISC. Um, and that has been very beneficial because you then network up. That's my networking upwards to people who've trodden this path before. And, you know, there's a lot of learning that can be done. Um, and ISC have hold great seminars and um, things that maybe you wouldn't even think of, um, but they, they have, you know, made their knowledge available to us who are just a few a bit younger in our in our careers. So um those are the ones that I'll probably say are I'm quite active in. Um, but yeah, a number of networks I can, I can, I love. Um, so yeah, it's been great. And I think that's how you should think. You know, you might not get everything out of one network, but a combination of all of them, you might not be able to be really active in them, but just follow little things like following them on LinkedIn. And actually engaging in that way, making yourself a name, because, you know, some people find the conversations difficult, but you can start off with LinkedIn, you know, comment, like content, and then your name is not unfamiliar when you make that first approach. So that's definitely something that's helped me across my journey. Yeah, I love that. So so being really active. So that's, um, I think, so sort of for me, a bit of a phrase in a sense of these networking groups, I think it's great if you can pick one to, to really throw yourself into because that will be the one that you probably form most of your relationships in, you get most confident in, um, and the one that maybe you get some opportunities through as well, whether that be speaking opportunities or kind of hosting your own events and different sort of experiences you can learn from it. Um, but then, like you say, other ones as well to make sure you've, you're broadening that network. ISCs, brilliant um Lara's actually come in um on another one of our podcasts and mm-hmm. um, uh in particular during during lockdown I think I, I've been so impressed at the beginning of lockdown they were doing an event every single day yeah. um and I, I just couldn't understand how they had the pace to to keep them going there so so I think yeah some different varieties um are really useful but making sure one in particular that you you really throw yourself into can be a big advantage Definitely. And, you know, that's the, those are the ones that are insurance specific. But even outside of that, I think I've learned a lot from being an ambassador for a group called Different Women, Different Places. Um, and that's a piece of research that was done to kind of look at the experiences of women from a variety of backgrounds um, in certain spheres. And I've learned a lot from them as well. So sometimes your your networking group might not be industry specific, but there are definitely learnings to be had in that way as well. So I try and do as much as I can. Um, it is a commitment in time, but I found it so beneficial. And having started my own, I can definitely say, you know, there were learnings to be had from other groups. If if anything, you learn what not to do, <laughs> what not to do, and you take those learnings and you apply them to your own career. So Brilliant. And you mentioned LinkedIn. So I think LinkedIn's a fun topic. So I've heard it described, uh, and in fact, I've been describing it as the the closest thing we have to an underwriting floor at the moment in the sense that it's, it's the only place people can see each other without scheduled meetings. Mm-hmm. Um, and I always find it a really interesting topic because I think we often come into LinkedIn conversations and LinkedIn training in particular 
thinking about, oh, I need to understand what I should post or how I should use it. The reality is the barrier of LinkedIn is the fear factor. The idea of putting something out there on a professional network, thinking everyone might sort of say something or talk about it and, and kind of that inner voice getting in the way of, of engaging on it. So um, I know you're active on, on LinkedIn. What's kind of your mindset when you're on it? I think for me, I know that LinkedIn introduces you before you get the opportunity to speak. And so I make sure that my LinkedIn speaks to the things that are important to me and speaks to the things that I care about. Um, for a while, um, LTL didn't have a LinkedIn presence, but I, there's been a transformation since we did. Um, it's your voice without you having to actually speak. And so when you look at it like that, if your LinkedIn is empty, then you're not saying much. I mean, I'm not saying that to... To, I'm saying that more so to challenge people who don't use their LinkedIn. And I think some of that fear comes from who's going to see, you know, wh what they're going to think. But I think you shouldn't look at it that way. I think you should look at it as, a, as an opportunity to kind of showcase what's important to you. And if it is things that you have achieved, don't be afraid to celebrate them. They're your achievements um, and you should feel confident and comfortable enough to do so. And I think as I think especially for women, I find there's a reluctance to to say too much or do too much um, from just, and I'm not saying that generally speaking, I'm saying that from conversations I've had with people in my network, like, oh, I don't want to come across this way. I don't want to come across that way. Whereas actually, no, we thought more like men in that sense, <laughs> who are more likely to just, you know, say, yeah, I did this and it was great. You know, I try to encourage people to do that, um, to celebrate what they've done well. And so I try to lead by example. Sometimes it is a bit cringy. I, I get that people find it cringy, but I've, I've gotten past that because, when I look back to it, when I think about it, it's like, yeah, you did do that. So why not? Um, but LinkedIn is not just for showcasing achievements. People say it's quite cheesy. Like it's like the Facebook for, for professionals, which is not what it's intended to be. Um, but, you know, sometimes you can table things that are personal to you. And, table, you know, I think there's just so much benefit that can be had from using a platform. And I've had a lot of interactions that have been have, have materialized, start from LinkedIn and start from a post of mine reaching the right eyes, et cetera. So, I've definitely seen the benefit to my career. Um, I've definitely seen the benefit to my network in terms of people who've then been able to, um, it's not everyone I can say what LTR does, but at least having LinkedIn, you know, people can see what I'm about without me having to, to share it with them personally. So that's why I, how I use LinkedIn. I love that. Yeah. So like you say, if you're not using it, you're not being heard. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I, I think for me, if we look at sort of how we engage with it, you've got successes, you can share, you can say thank yous, development posts, any of those three are always going to be well received. Um, and it's not so much, I think, necessarily about what you're putting out there, but just the fact that you're on it is key. So we have this psychology of familiarity. So I'll tell you back to the times you used to get the train to work and you'd see the same people on the train every day and you'd start smiling at them and maybe mm -hmm. say good morning and you're thinking what am I doing I've got no idea who any of these people are mm -hmm. and then you like go into Tesco's and you see them there and you get really excited because it's that person off the train even though you've got no idea who they are mm -hmm. but just because you see them you feel connected and you kind of feel like you like them a little bit because you see them mm -hmm. a fair bit you know and LinkedIn can work in that same way same way you know the more you're seeing people the more people are seeing that oh look there's Tenny's post oh look what she's been up to well, I haven't seen her for a while and they're smiling when they're thinking about you that just helps form and maintain a relationship without actually having to be in the same room as them and I feel like especially now you know that's so important we're going to get back into the city and people are going to be like oh how was your year and it's going to feel a little bit disingenuous a little bit when we haven't seen or sort of heard from people for a whole year we're all going to be in the same boats so we're all going to have to deal with that 
you know, but if you have at least been liking people's posts on LinkedIn, it's a way that you've kind of just been distantly patting them on the back or waving at them. So I'm still here, ready for when you're back in the room with them. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And, you know, if I see a post from someone who I haven't engaged with in a while, it reminds me to reach out to them. It reminds me to drop them a message. There's no harm in doing so. And where we are a relationship business, it's actually beneficial to you to keep the conversation going. So I find that my posts spark conversations in my messages. And that's a good thing because I'm keeping my network alive. Um, and I try to engage with other people's posts as well. It's free. If you're on the app, like you might as well. There's nothing to stop you liking a post. There's nothing to stop you dropping a comment. Um, I think people overthink it. And I wish my advice to everyone would be just don't overthink it. If something resonates with you or if you see a post that encourages you, just like it. Um, that encourages the person who's posted. And it also might even encourage you at some point to post as well. Excellent. Yeah. So hopefully, hopefully we'll see a bit more of a trend of, of people coming on. And if you're listening to this and you are on LinkedIn, then drop us a comment on any of the posts about the uh, the podcast so we know we know you've taken it on board or disagree with us even um, on LinkedIn. It's always good to have those conversations out there. Um, so with these podcasts, I like to end with a little bit of advice. So there's a snippet at the end of each each uh, podcast. So I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit here, Teddy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you can take a moment. Um, but what's the best career advice that you've either been given or you've, you've heard from that you would pass on to other people? Ooh. Best career advice. Ooh. The one that I would love to give other people is that is to be yourself and I know that sounds so basic but in an environment where there's not many people that look like you um where there's not many people who maybe talk like you or come from the same background as you there's a tendency to try and want to blend in with the environment that you're in but actually your versatility and your difference is your selling point and you know once you're comfortable enough hopefully the environments that you're in leave you space to table exactly who you are but there's so much beauty in, and liberation in being yourself and there's not too there's not two versions of you there's only one version of you and so it's important that you bring all of that to the table and I think I've definitely um once I found my voice and once I found you know what I care about and I started speaking more so to that that's when I felt my happiest so I would definitely say be yourself unapologetically and in an, if an environment doesn't allow you to do so then you should probably leave that environment <laughs> but yeah that that would be what I would say um I've had so much great um advice that's why I had to take a moment to think about that one but also trust the process um and trust that you have more say in that process than you think I think sometimes leave a lot of their career to chance whereas you know you can actually be bold and go out and seek the opportunities or seek the the um, roles and positions that you want you know it doesn't have to be left to, ch to chance trust the process and trust yourself and trust in your ability to to chase after what you deserve so yeah that would be my advice I like that excellent well thank you so much um Tani and it's been uh, great to hear about this and particularly ladies at lunch where would you recommend people go if they want to find out more about it so we have a LinkedIn presence if you search Ladies That Lunch or if you search the LTL Collective on LinkedIn, you should find our page. We also have an Instagram presence at underscore Ladies That Lunch. And yeah, there's joining forms in the links in both bios. So feel free to join if the bio or the content resonates with you, um, whether that be on LinkedIn or even join us if you, it's a need that you have and you want to get involved with the collective, please feel free to do so.
Great. Thank you. Thank you for having me.